Hello, this is Jerry Hendricks. And Adrian Hendricks of Save One More Now Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the very image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God and to human life than to bypass, by ignorance or rejection, His salvation that is only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. Today's focus is on men, but the message is for everyone. To be a man today is a tremendous challenge. To be God's man is a very tall order, but worth everything required for the sake of the Lord Jesus. As for me, I really enjoy being a man, a husband, and a father. My heart skips a beat when my wife introduces me as her husband. I love to hear our daughter call me dad, and I cherish our talks about daddy and daughter stuff. My wife and daughter know that I take being a husband and a father seriously. Although we've been married 48 years, I enjoy opening doors for my wife, holding her hand when we walk together, and doing special things that demonstrate my love for and devotion to her. But without the change in my heart made by Jesus and the keeping power of the Holy Spirit, there wouldn't be a shred of anything decent in me, much less love for my wife and for our daughter. I would be a lost, lonely soul, devoured by my own lust, dangerous for anyone to encounter, and doomed to an eternity in the lake of fire. You men, fathers, and husbands who have committed your lives to the Lord Jesus, I believe he wants you to hear him say, I love you. Because the Lord sees you so thoroughly, you can trust him completely. He promised each of us at Hebrews 13.5, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Many men listening may be single or separated from family due to death, estrangement, divorce, or a number of other reasons. Some of you are lonely, and you want to be married with a family. Let us encourage you, here and now, to wait on the Lord for His best for your life. We believe his message for every man today is, Look at me. I understand where you are, and I know who you are. Remember, I made you. What did my servant tell you at Psalm 139? For you I will speak the words of David, the man after my own heart, but from my perspective. I have examined you, and I know you. I know when you rest and when you are active. I understand what you are thinking even when you are distant from me. I scrutinize your life and your rest. I am familiar with all of your ways. Even before you form a word on your tongue, I know it completely. I encircle you from back to front, placing my hand upon you. I know it is too amazing for you. It is beyond your reach, and you cannot fathom it. Where can you flee from my spirit, or where will you run from my presence? If you rise to heaven, there I am. If you lay down with the dead, There I am as well. If you take wings with the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, my hand will guide you there too, while my right hand keeps a firm grip on you. It was me who formed your internal organs, fashioning you within your mother's womb. I made you, and you are fearfully and wondrously made. Your frame was not hidden from me while you were being crafted in a hidden place, being knit together in the depths of the earth. My eyes looked upon you, and everything was recorded in my book. 
The days scheduled for you were inscribed, even though not one of them had come yet. How deep are my thoughts of you? How great are their number? Were you to count them, they would number more than the sand. When you awake, I will be with you. It appears that, in many ways, men are under siege. We want to say plainly that we recognize men need to be in our world. And if God has made you a man, you are blessed. Now, we don't mean to insult your intelligence, but our society makes the need for clarity imperative here. If you have the anatomy of a male from birth, regardless of your age, it is certain that God created you to be a man. If your feelings are telling you something different, this is a good time for you to inspect your equipment. We're not talking about getting in touch with your feelings, but in touch with reality. If you are a true Christian, you have already accepted the fact that God makes no mistakes. How he fashioned you is integral to the plan he has for your life. That plan was established prior to creation, and he desires for every man to walk in his truth and fulfill his intended purpose. Ephesians 1 verses 4 and 5 read, Even as in his love he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, consecrated and set apart for him, and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. For he foreordained us, destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted, and revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will, because it pleased him and was his kind intent. Paul continues to elaborate at Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taken paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. More is revealed at Romans 8.29-30. For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning for ordaining them to be molded into the image of his Son and share inwardly his likeness, that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he thus foreordained, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. We want to encourage all men, whether you are single, married, with or without children. We are addressing you in that order because this is the order God established from the beginning. Men should be single first, then marry, and then father children. However, this does not mean that any one of these states is superior to the other. What is superior is to live so that you demonstrate God's presence in you, as Paul says at Ephesians 4.1. I, a prisoner in the Lord, encourage you to live the kind of life which proves that God has called you. When Pharisees tried to trap Jesus about a marriage question, Jesus revealed the secret of God's view of marriage and singleness to them and his disciples at Matthew 19, verses 8 through 12. Jesus answered them, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives because you're heartless. It was never this way in the beginning. 
I can guarantee that whoever divorces his wife for any reason other than her unfaithfulness is committing adultery if he marries another woman. The disciples said to him, if that is the only reason a man can use to divorce his wife, it's better not to get married. He answered them, not everyone can do what you suggest. Only those who have that gift can. For example, some men are celibate because they were born that way. Others are celibate because they were castrated. Still others have decided to be celibate because of the kingdom of heaven. If anyone can do what you've suggested, then he should do it. Here Jesus clearly said that singleness was a special gift. The Apostle Paul also had something to say about being single in the seventh chapter of 1 Corinthians, specifically verses 1, 8, 17, 20, 24, 32, and 35. Now, concerning the things that you wrote about, it's good for men not to get married. I say to those who are not married, especially to widows, it is good for you to stay single like me. Everyone should live the life that the Lord gave him when God called him. This is the guidance I use in every church. All people should stay as they were when they were called. Brothers and sisters, you should remain in whatever circumstances you were in when God called you. God is with you in those circumstances. So I don't want you to have any concerns. An unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, that is, about how he can please the Lord. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to restrict you. I'm showing you how to live a noble life of devotion to the Lord without being distracted by other things. But Paul wasn't ignorant. He recognized the need for marriage and had much more to say throughout the remainder of the chapter because of the need for caution. But in order to avoid sexual sins, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. Husbands and wives should satisfy each other's sexual needs. A wife doesn't have authority over her own body, but her husband does. In the same way, a husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but his wife does. Don't withhold yourselves from each other unless you agree to do so for a set time to devote yourselves to prayer. Then you should get back together so that Satan doesn't use your lack of self-control to tempt you. What I have just said is not meant as a commandment, but as a suggestion. However, if you cannot control your desires, you should get married. It is better for you to marry than to burn with sexual desire. I pass this command along, not really I, but the Lord. A wife shouldn't leave her husband. If she does, she should stay single or make up with her husband. Likewise, a husband should not divorce his wife. I, not the Lord, say to the rest of you, if any Christian man is married to a woman who is an unbeliever and she is willing to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any Christian woman is married to a man who is an unbeliever and he is willing to live with her, she should not divorce her husband. Actually, the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and an unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, their children would be unacceptable to God, but now they are acceptable to him. But if the unbelieving partners leave, let them go. Under these circumstances, a Christian man or Christian woman is not bound by a marriage vow. God has called you to live in peace. How do you as a wife know whether you will save your husband? How do you as a husband know whether you will save your wife? Because of the present crisis, I believe it is good for people to remain as they are. Do you have a wife? Don't seek a divorce. Are you divorced from your wife? Don't look for another one. But if you do get married, you have not sinned. If a virgin gets married, she has not sinned. However, these people will have trouble and I would like to spare them from that. This is what I mean, brothers and sisters. The time has been shortened. While it lasts, those who are married should live as though they were not. 
Those who have eyes filled with tears should live as though they had no sorrow. Those who are happy should live as though there was nothing to be happy about. Those who buy something should live as though they didn't own it. Those who use the things in this world should do so but not depend on them. It is clear that this world in its present form is passing away, so I don't want you to have any concerns. An unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, that is, about how he can please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about earthly things, that is, about how he can please his wife. His attention is divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's things so that she may be holy in body and in spirit. But the married woman is concerned about earthly things, that is, about how she can please her husband. A married woman must remain with her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if the man is a Christian. When Jesus spoke about at the beginning, he was referring to what God said at Genesis 2, verse 18. It is not good for the man to live alone. I will make a suitable companion to help him. We all know now that this suitable companion to help was the woman Eve, so named by the man Adam. God made it a point to provide a uniquely qualified partner for the man. So it is today. Men, if they are to be sexual beings at all, are to be so only with their wives. And let me say, there was to be one man for one woman, and one woman for one man. God never intended for men to sexually engage with children, multiple women, themselves, other men, animals, or anything else. It does not take much to realize that the world we live in is not only saturated with sexual lust, but bent on corrupting every single human being in every possible manner imaginable, with constant enticements to indulge freely in every sort of wickedness as if that is what people were made for. This should be an alert to those who are familiar with the Word of God. When his disciples asked Jesus about the end of the age and his return, he warned at Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39, When the Son of Man appears, things will be just as they were when Noah lived. People were eating, drinking, and getting married right up to the day that the flood came and Noah went into the big boat. They didn't know anything was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. That is how it will be when the Son of Man appears. Genesis 6 relates to the days of Noah in which angels left their first estate, as Jude 1.6 writes. They produce angel-human hybrids so corrupt and polluted with wickedness that verses 5 through 8 tell us, When the Lord saw how wicked everyone on earth was and how evil their thoughts were all the time, he was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on the earth. He was so filled with regret that he said, I will wipe out these people I have created and also the animals and the birds because I am sorry that I made any of them. But the Lord was pleased with Noah. The world and its ruler are trying to squeeze humanity into the mold that violates God's image and the destiny he intends for us. Paul specifically wrote against this very thing at Romans 12 verse 2. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to Him and is perfect. If you did not already know it, we are living in dangerous times for the ungodly. This is not the time for those who desire to belong to Jesus to give in to any temptation. 
It is time for us to double down in prayer and watchfulness over ourselves and over our households with the humble leading of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 18 says it like this. Finally, let the mighty strength of the Lord make you strong. Put on all the armor that God gives so that you can defend yourself against the devil's tricks. We are not fighting against humans. We are fighting against forces and authorities and against rulers of darkness and powers in the spiritual world. So put on all the armor that God gives. Then when that evil day comes, you will be able to defend yourself. And when the battle is over, you will still be standing firm. Be ready. Let the truth be like a belt around your waist and let God's justice protect you like armor. Your desire to tell the good news about peace should be like shoes on your feet. Let your faith be like a shield and you will be able to stop all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Let God's saving power be like a helmet and for a sword use God's message that comes from the Spirit. Never stop praying, especially for others. Always pray by the power of the Spirit. Stay alert and keep praying for God's people. In closing, over the years we've heard a number of messages on the Proverbs 31 women. Many have used this as the Christian standard for women in the lives of their families and for their husbands. Well, while jogging, the thought came to me, what would Proverbs 32 for men read like? O men, if you choose to follow the ways of the Lord, you have made the best decision, for you will share in the inheritance of his Son. Allow him to lead your life, and you will rejoice whether you are single or married. My brother, it can be a good thing to marry, but make sure God himself is the object of your greatest desire. Only pursue a woman if you intend to marry her, and after you are wed, continue to pursue her, but pursue none other. Fidelity and kindness to your wife will endear her to you. Bless your children with security and model a standard that will cause others to seek you for its secrets. Husbands, since God has made you to lead your family, treat the allure for strong substances through the mouth and through the eyes as you would a deadly poison. They will make you forget your responsibilities, and if you mistreat your wife and children, God will repay you for this. No matter what comes against you, remember your eternal hope and power reside in Jesus, God's anointed. If you encounter the poor and miserable, rescue them with the same everlasting life and comfort of soul you have received. You, godly man, must defend your wife and children, then those helpless and hopeless may, under your care, be restored to life. Let it be said that you are faithful, just, and full of integrity, no matter the cause. It is especially more important, husband, father, to remember the eyes of your wife and children are watching you. A husband's desire is to be honored in the sight of his wife. If he loves her more than his life, she will trust him with her heart. Then he will be envied, for he will depend on her, and she will never let him down. The wife of a godly husband will respect and honor him, and with great joy she will say to him, There are many good men in the world, but you are my gift from God who is beyond compare. Cleverness of a man is often deceiving. Physical vigor and virility will fade with time. 
but the husband and father who fears the Lord will be honored by his wife and treasured by his children. Your wife and children will show you love and respect and come to your defense in public, for you have proven yourself worthy. Men, as we push aside every distraction, we must reach for and achieve God's declared purpose with all the passion and zeal we can muster. We must fight with the weapons God has given us to destroy the devilish agenda promoted by our society. In this process of overcoming forces which would defeat us, we become all that Jesus paid for us to be. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 45 and 47 tell us that The first man was named Adam, and the scriptures tell us that he was a living person. But Jesus, who may be called the last Adam, is a life-giving spirit. The first man was made from the dust of the earth, but the second man came from heaven. Listeners, Jesus is the only one who can deliver on his promise of eternal life and save us from the world's corruption. He gives the invitation to everyone tired of living their own way in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are uncertain about your future, the heavenly man now makes a sure offer that no man can afford to refuse. We at Save One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for His calling on your life. Faithfully spend time with Him throughout the day and you will come to know without a doubt that He really loves you and He has a purpose for your being here. You can hear this message again on our website at saveonemorenow.org. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org. Our telephone number in the United States is 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life is good. God gives life. God is good.